There's something we need to hear. Lord, speak it to us, God. We want to know what it is you have to say. Not what men have to say, but what the Lord says to his church. Say it, Lord, and we'll hear it. We'll change ourselves according to it. God, have your way this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Give God a hand clap of praise Amen. And find somebody and give them a high five. Praise God. Holy Ghost high five. Not in the forehead. In, you know. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, if you please. We're going to read a very famous section of scripture. You're going to recognize it immediately. I want to mention that uh, it's pretty awesome that we, we started doing recording a podcast of every message preached or taught in this church about a little over a year ago. And this past week, we surpassed a thousand times somebody has listened to a sermon from our church Praise in a God. podcast. And that spans, we can see the details of it. There's been listens to our church sermons in Uruguay, in Japan, in the Philippines, in India. People all over the world have access. All they have to do is either type in New Life Christian Center or Rector Arkansas, or they can even type in Pentecostal Church, and ours is going to be one of the first ones that come up. So, hey, I'm thankful that if somebody types in Pentecostal or Apostolic, they're going to see us. Amen. They're going to hear, you know, what the Word has to say. That's awesome. And it's beneficial to those people for sure. We want to we want to be able to evangelize even if they're not here present with us. But it's also nice to be able to go and hear something again. Right. If you missed it or if you wanted to hear it again, you know. And so you have that opportunity. If you don't know how to do that, come see me after church and, and we'll get you set up there. Now, First Peter chapter 2. Uh, we're going to start with verse 9. In your word of flame, slimline Bible. Amen. <laughs> verse Peter, chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, yes. which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Yes. Amen. Last week, everybody remember what we talked about in here last week? We talked about the subject of holiness and what God has to say on this matter. And what, what's the idea of all this? What's going on? That lesson that we had last week is essential to your understanding of the scripture that we just read. And, and I'm going to expound on this for just a minute. But, you know, we talked about the vineyard. You remember talking about that last week? God's got a vineyard. Right. And he did all these different things to this vineyard. What did he do? He, uh, he pulled the stones out of it. He put a wine press therein. And what was the first thing that he did? 
Anybody remember that? Put a fence around it. Yes. He put a fence around it. And this is all in Isaiah chapter 5. Why was God fencing this place? Remember, it was not because this garden or this vineyard is going to run off. He had, he had an idea of the reason why he wanted to do this. What was so special about the garden, the people of God? What is it that is so important? Well, 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us this. It's because this vineyard, it's, it, it's a people that's a chosen generation. It's a people that's, uh, it's a royal priesthood, you know. It's a holy nation. And it's a peculiar people. And, and all of this is important. And uh, it's this particular people. It's not just everybody. You know, it's, it's his vineyard. And so it's got to be fenced because we're chosen. Because we're royal. We're holy. And we're different. I don't want to just be the typical generic worldly Christian person. I want to be different. Yes, amen. Amen. I want to be... Separated. I want to be the real deal, apostolic. Amen. I don't want there to be any question in my life. I want to be the real thing. And for that, I can't afford to be ankle deep. Amen. In order to do that, I have to submerge myself in God. Amen. And so I'm not going to tell you any different today. I'm going to speak the truth to you. If you really want to live for God, you can't tiptoe in it. You need to submerge right. yourself. Amen. In it. Amen. We preach full immersion baptism. I believe in full immersion Holy Ghost. Yes. Amen. Don't just get you a little sip of it and then kind of back up, you know, Come like, on. well, you know, I got my touch today. I think that'll do. No. There, there's something different. If, if you've ever had this happen to you, you know what I'm talking about. When you get lost in the Spirit. Right. Amen. And you, you get an overflow. The Bible says, this is, this is biblical, talking about being filled with the Spirit. Amen. Not just a small portion, but being filled with it. And it's Brother Merlin that sings, I'm just lost in the presence of the sweet Holy Ghost. There's something that's different about that. But you, you, you want to be the real deal. You've got to get lost in this. It has to be all in, total immersion into what God has for you. And in this garden that he's got, that, that is so special, this, this wonderful thing that, that he's guarding, that he's protecting and declaring that it's his, he wants growth in his garden. Yes. He wants it to grow up. He wants it to be fruitful. He wants it to thrive. Not, I'm not talking this morning necessarily about a mere numerical growth. That's a given. The Lord said he'll add unto his church daily as, as, he, as his will by him. But individual growth is what God wants. God wants you to grow. Beyond even where you find yourself right now. God has a higher place that he wants to bring you to at some point. There is, there is a higher place in every single person. And we've not achieved that. We've not achieved that until the end of days where we've finally grown to our full potential. Because the Bible tells us that one day we're going to be like him. That's the ultimate goal, right? Right. Anybody, you want, you want to come to that day where you're like him and you're with him forever in eternity. Amen. And you're going to rule and reign with him in eternity.
eternity. That's going to be the end goal of it all. But until we get there, there are steps in the spirit that God wants to bring us up in. There's other places that you have not gotten to yet that God wants to bring you to. And it requires that full immersion, that full immersion. Anybody ever heard the term, of course you've heard it, but you've heard it talked about so many times, millennials. You know what the word millennial is? Really, what millennial is, is somebody who was born, I believe it was after the year 1984. That makes you a millennial. So I'm talking about myself today. I'm a millennial. This millennial generation kind of gets a bad rap. Most of the time you hear somebody talking about millennials, it's, it's negative, right? Most of the time today. Um, but it's all about, for many millennials, being part of a greater purpose. And I'm going to explain that. Uh, according to recent research, 84% of young workers say it is more important to make a difference than to achieve professional recognition. Nine out of ten believe something more than profits should measure the value of a business. And the young adult generation has no problem with the biblical idea of being a chosen generation. That interests them. That's attractive to them. However, the millennial generation dislikes bureaucracy and distrusts traditional hierarchy, hierarchies. Young believers need to see more than institutions and traditions to remain part of the church, they need to feel like they're a part of something that's changing the world. That's, that's the inner desire of millennials in our world today. Amen. And this inborn, it's a sense of purpose and focus is answered best in the kingdom of God and nowhere else. You can do things in the world that benefit society, but unless you're serving God and doing the work of the Lord, you're not really making the difference that needs to happen. And... Carl Moore writes this, Millennials need direction and meaning, an interesting mixture of altruism and self-interest. They want to work at places that have a greater purpose than just making money. And so this is why you see a lot of businesses today. Uh, let me just throw out a couple. Everybody know what the, the shoe company named Tom's is? You've heard of those? They give a shoe to a person in need for every pair that's been bought. So that's something that would draw millennials to that, right? If you've ever been to a restaurant and they say that, you know, they do this for every meal you buy. There's a restaurant in Jonesboro called Tacos for Life. You buy food there and they give food to people who are in need of it. These things interest them. It interests them. And in all of this, we've got to be a church that's reaching out beyond ourselves. We've got to be touching the world. Yeah. Amen. We've got to be reaching people and bettering the world because this thing is not about us in this room only. Go on. It's not just about the people that you're seeing around you right now. There's a world out there that needs touched by something real. Yeah. It's going to have to happen, and it will happen because he said it's going to touch all the earth before the day comes that he returns. And so we've got to be a part of this. A chosen generation knows their God-given meaning in life. And this brings us to the man, Paul. With every breath and every heartbeat, when he was Saul, he made it his mission to 
put an end to the Christians and the gospel that they loved. This was his purpose. This was what he fought for. And he did it in extreme measures. I want to read to you Acts chapter 13 verse 44. It says, In the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filling, filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. So he's being met by a challenge here. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. And all of a sudden, now this man, Paul, has a completely new purpose. And we're, we see him here saying, I'm going to get this to anybody who will receive it. It doesn't matter if they're a Jew. If the Jews won't accept it, I'll go to the Gentiles because everybody needs to hear it. He knew his purpose. At some point, it changed from the, 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 the be-all of his life was to destroy this message to the change of now everything is about this message. What took place? The man Saul tried to force many to recant Christ and to say he's not God. And he cost many Christians their lives as he pulled them out of the safety of their homes into the streets to be stoned. Mobs would gather together to stone them. And most of the time Saul carted Christians off to jail to be tried. And if they were found guilty of being followers of Jesus, they were killed. Saul's hands, they were stained with the blood of men and women who were just following Jesus. They were just here to live for God and do what he said. But he wasn't finished. He gathered some intel that many of the Christians had fled for their lives a hundred miles away in Damascus. And this man, Saul, had a fire in his eyes and arrest warrants in his pocket. And he was ready to bring Christians all the way back to Jerusalem in order to be tried and executed. This was the man that Saul was. He lived for this moment, for the evil that was on his heart. But on his murderous ride to do all this, God had had enough of this man, Saul. He was finished with his persecution of the church and his misdirected zeal. And God shone a light from heaven that was so bright that it knocked Saul from his horse to his knees. And when he blinked and he rubbed his eyes as he got up, he realized that he was blind. The Lord had struck him blind. And then he heard a voice from heaven that asked this, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul was stunned. He was stunned and he sat and he asked, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. And when Saul realized that he was fighting against the very one who he should have been fighting for, he was frightened. Fear rushed over his entire life in that moment because Saul was Saul, but now he realizes Jesus is God. Amen. And I need to be fighting for him. Fighting against God, fighting against God in your own life is like trying to shoot off a tornado with a baseball bat. 
Right. You can swing as hard as you can. You can put out the strongest attack that you've got, but it's going to be futile. You're fighting against a wind that cannot be stopped. He couldn't fight because he couldn't see. He'd been struck blind, and as far as he knew, right now he was as good as dead in the hands of God. But God was not thinking judgment today. This wasn't the plan of God. Not judgment, but mercy. Saul was about to hear something that was not a lecture. He was about to hear the gospel. And the gospel ought not to be a lecture to anybody. It ought not to be uh, a scorning on somebody. It ought Amen. not to be uh, a tearing down of somebody. But if anything, it should be showing uh, the, the picture of who Jesus is. Right. And then they see the difference of what they've been living and how beautiful God is. And instantly they want to make a change in their life. That's what the gospel ought to be. And from that road, his friends led a blinded and humbled terrorist into Damascus. Nobody in town knew God had been reaching for Saul. They just knew Saul was in town and they were in danger. But God was in control this day and he gave a Christian by the name of Ananias a vision. God gave Ananias a vision for somebody that he was not even close to. Because if you will submit yourself to God and you're willing to be used by him and not even get the credit for it, God will use you in spiritual gifts. That's right. He'll do it, but we've got to submit to him and do whatever it is for his glory. And a vision came to Ananias to go to Saul and to pray for him. And when Ananias, the one who had been hunted, saw Saul, the hunter, he called him Brother Saul. Yeah. Even God addressed Saul as the persecutor. But God used a Christian man to go to the one that was hunting him to kill him and say, Brother Saul. Amen. If you've ever met uh, <clears throat> Brother Chris Dixon, there's something about Brother Chris Dixon that I love a whole lot. And it's the fact that it does not matter who he's talking to. Once he knows their name, if it's the name Martha, it doesn't matter if they've ever attended the church if they've got the Holy Ghost, if they've prayed a day in their life, he'll call her Sister Martha. If there's a guy that walks in the back door of the church, he'll greet him at that moment for the first time. If his name's Jim, it's Brother Jim. That's just who Brother Dixon is. And you know what? People all over love this man because he never extends persecution to them. He never extends criticism to them as he meets them. He immediately shows love and Amen. grace and mercy. And so I can walk in, and I have. I've walked into a restaurant that is in a rough part of town. And you walk in, and you're, you're actually kind of physically scared at what might happen. And he'll walk in. You know, he's dressed, dressed like a pastor, you know, walking in the place. And everybody in that room, their mood changes because they know him and he's going to call them brother or sister. It's amazing how the demeanor of people will change when we show love and mercy to That's them right. in our sharing of the gospel rather than criticism. Yes. You know, people change. People change. And so 
for Ananias, it was brother Saul. And for the first time in his life, Saul felt grace because Saul heard the gospel. And it was delivered to him. The gospel that the blood of Jesus was strong enough to forgive his past. And the spirit of God was able to fill his soul. And Saul received his sight and the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Ananias then baptized him in the same name of the very one Saul used to persecute. The name of Jesus. And God used Saul to preach the gospel. He used the, the very gospel he used to persecute. Because the gospel had the power to change even him. Saul was born with a zeal against God. But he was born again with a zeal for God. Amen. Amen. And there's been somewhere along the lines of your life that you were blinded in sin. And you had nowhere to go to fix anything about yourself. And you weren't going to be able to do it on your own. But somewhere God confronted you. Amen. Amen. And maybe he knocked you off your horse a little bit and you were stunned in the moment at what needed to happen. But you made a change and you said, I'm going to serve this one that I have turned against for so long and see what happens yeah. in my life. Amen. And somebody come up to you, maybe as a pastor, maybe it was just a, a person in the church, and they began to call you brother or sister, and you were roped into this family of God. And all of a sudden today, you're meant for a different purpose. Yes. Praise Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Somebody, am I telling your story right now? Am I telling your story right now? Amen. And today... You're part of a chosen generation. Yes. Amen. You look around at the people in this room right now. You're chosen. You're royal. You may not feel like it. Your bank account may not reflect it. But you're royal. You're a holy nation. A royal priesthood. And not only that, you're peculiar. You're different. You're designed to be that way. Amen. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. That's not the intention of God. He wants us to be different. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Amen. And this is the power of the new birth. It's the power to change us. From enemies of Jesus to followers of Jesus. What is this born again? I'm going to say it in this room and make it very clear to everybody. Everybody in this room may know exactly what that is. But we're going to review it today because it's, it's doctrine of God. It's the word. John chapter 3 and verse 3 says this. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, I want you to notice the context here. He's asking him specifically, How in the world can somebody be born again? It's very clear. He's asking, What has got to be done? How is it done? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Two things have got to happen. Amen. 
you got to be born of the water. The only, only thing that can be pertaining to is baptism. Right. And the Bible says very clearly, you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. you got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. Amen. And in the book of Acts, which is when this whole thing started, anytime the Spirit came on somebody, it was called the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Right. And the Bible tells us that when that happened, there was this signal, there was this sign that would take place evidencing that it was speaking in another tongue. And this is what would happen. And I challenge you to look at every single time somebody was saved, this is what would happen. As we see throughout the whole New Testament, new birth brings water and spirit baptism together into one experience. It's all the same thing that God wants to do in somebody. It's, it has parts to it that are necessary, but it's one thing God wants to do. All through the book of Acts, it was men and women. Young boys and young girls from all ages, from all backgrounds, races and religions, they were born again. And this new birth changed them from the inside out. This is how God did it. And while we may celebrate a child's birth by bringing balloons and sending cards to the parents and to the home, we all understand that birth is only the beginning. Amen. You hear what I'm telling you today? Come on. Birth is only the beginning. I want you to think about this. If everybody on the planet, all that ever happened was they were born and they never grew, Lord help us. <laughs> you know, there ain't going to be no civilization, you know. No growth ever happens. No maturing ever takes place. Well, I'm going to tell you exactly what would happen. We would go extinct. Because you don't know how to fight for yourself. You don't know how to get food. You don't even know how to talk. And so, naturally, you've got to grow. And you've got to learn. Amen. And it's a beginning of a growth process when somebody's born again. It's just the beginning. They're going to start growing on that day, and it's not going to stop. They're going to keep on growing. Amen. And so we are to grow up in Jesus once we've been born again. That's what God desires. That's the will of God is for us to keep on growing. You might ask yourself right now, Will, what are some signs of spiritual growth in somebody's life? What, what, what is some signs of that? Well, their attitude's going to change over time. You know, the way that they talk is even going to change. Amen. Um, the way that they present themselves, the way that they pray is going to change. The way they worship is going to change. There's got to be growth, constant growth. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. We grow spiritually much like we do physically. We've got to eat. And so you've got to consume this word. You've got to pray. You've got to find yourself in his presence if you want to grow. You'd start taking away those things and you're not getting a balanced diet. You're not going to grow right. Amen. And so you can try to go out and uh, 
get you some things to supplement that. You know, they sell vitamin supplements and things. But here's the fact of it all. You're not going to be able to substitute the word. You're not going to be able to substitute prayer. You're not going to be able to substitute worship. All of these things are irreplaceable. That's never going to change, folks. Amen. And so if you've got a deficiency in any of those things, it needs to be tied up quickly. Amen. We need to cultivate a prayer life. We need to Amen. cultivate the study of our Bible. Yes. We need to cultivate worship. Amen. Our worship, let, let me just stick a minute on this. Our worship doesn't need to be concerned with other people. That's right. Because you know what that is? I'm going to make it as simple and plain as possible. It's called pride. Right. If we let our worship be based on the people around us, the only person worship needs to be based on is God. Yes. And he is worship word. <laughs> that don't change. Amen. Amen. He's worship worthy all day, every day. Hallelujah. And so our worship can't grow deficient. We've got to seek a close relationship with God and build a prayer life outside our Sunday services, outside our Wednesday services, outside Tuesday night prayer meeting. All those things are great, but it ain't enough. Come on. It's got to be a daily walk, yes. not a momentary touch. Amen. If you walk out the door each day without taking time to walk with God, you're not growing like you should. Amen. Each of us should have a place at home or somewhere where we, we've got time with God in prayer. Turn the phone on to airplane mode where you're not going to get no notifications or anything like that and just maintain a solid connection with God. Nothing else can infiltrate it. Amen. We've got to desire that in our lives. Why, why is all this important? Why should I devote myself that way? Because you're chosen. Come on. Now there's a magnitude to that word that we can skip over if we're not careful. Chosen of God. Yes. Amen. You get called into his marvelous light. You're chosen. You are set apart. You're special. Things have to be peculiar or different in your life from everybody else. Amen. All of us have room to grow in God no matter who we are. And even if you were raised in church and your very first word was revival, you still got room to grow. Amen. Amen. It's called personal revival. And we talked about, you know, we want revival and you pray that we want revival in our church to sweep through and, and all this. But that's talking about a corporate thing. The first thing we need to pray is, God, revive me. Revive me, Lord. Right. Amen. Restore to me the fire that I had the very first day I was baptized in the Spirit. And grow it. Grow it. Amen. Grow it in me. But we don't, hear me today, we don't grow in God just so we can tower over others spiritually. That's right. Amen. Amen. It's in the goal of God. As a matter of fact, if we were to look at the whole church from the side, everybody that's a part of the church, there's nobody higher than somebody else. Okay? There's nobody that's 
you know, so special in God's eyes that they've grown way up above all these other people. Or so, and God's not growing people so they can tower over others. That is not the goal of God. And it ought not be that way. We grow in God so we can be a spiritual blessing to others. That's right. Amen. And so, yes, there is this uh, structure that God has placed in the church. Of there, there, you got a pastor that you are to submit to per the word of God. But even in the kingdom of God, he's not better than you. We're all leveled out here in the love of God. And he loves every single person. There's nobody that because of their spiritual gift or because of the talent God has placed upon them is better than somebody else. And we can't act that way. That's out of the will of God, too. That's also pride. Amen. And so all of these things that God places in his church, spiritual gifts, offices, uh, whether he uses you in a certain way, whatever it is, it's not to tower over other people. Now, in the same way, we can lift each other up. Now, here, here's what I mean by that. You, probably uh, most people, the view that they have of their pastor is that part of his job is constantly lifting people up. And it is a great part of that. That's, that's what he's supposed to do. Uh, the best way I've ever heard it put, though, is that the job of somebody in ministry, so the, the preacher or the pastor, is to comfort the afflicted, but then also to afflict the comfortable. Sometimes that's what you got to do. And so in any time that we, we preach, it ought to be doing one of the two or both of those things. Because this is what God's called us to do. Um, pushing people out of the rut that they found themselves in. Lifting them up out of despair. Or, or maybe tearing them down a little bit, but only so God can build them up higher. Amen? But, you know, we look at him, this pastor, this, this man of God, he's lifting people up. I'm going to help you out here today. You can better your church if you lift your pastor up. Amen. And encouragement. And I'm going to tell you how this works. You know, he's, he's really, he's carrying this weight of encouraging people. And that, that can be tough because the, the truth of it is sometimes he needs to encourage too. He's living a life just like you are. And so he's lifting people up, bearing this weight of this. But, but, but check this out. He, he's lifting these people up, you know, trying to as high as he can, this congregation that God has placed in his care. And then somebody, a, a saint, comes along and lifts him up <coughs> in encouragement. What am I talking about here today? You know, an amen or a pastor I'm praying for you or, or actually going and praying for pastor. The, these encouragement things that we have available to us. Somebody does that and they begin to lift him up. What you're doing, he's lifting the whole body up. You're helping to lift everybody up and not just him. You encourage the man of God and you're in effect encouraging the church. You're going to make that happen. You get behind the man of God and the will of God. God is going to send revival to his church. Amen. Amen. We grow in God so we can be a blessing to others because we're a chosen generation. We could pass a microphone around this room this morning and hear testimonies 
of transformation that God has done in the lives of people who were totally different 5, 10, 15 years ago, 25 years ago. You're just a different person. Can anybody say, I'm a new man or I'm a new woman? Can you say that today? There's testimonies all in this room of what God has done. God called us out of a darkness and into His marvelous light for a purpose. What was it? If you go back and look at that scripture, there's a colon. So you say a colon in scripture, it means everything before that. Here's why. Because we should show forth His praises to a world that needs to hear it. Amen. When God saved Saul, he already knew what Saul would be and what he would do. And God did not just save Saul for Saul. He saved him for others. And he would go to write more books than any other person of this Bible. And reach out to more people in the church at the time than anybody else did. They had witnessed him serve arrest warrants and death sentences to Christians of all ages. But when he began to preach the gospel, he had once persecuted people, paid attention. Amen. And here's what I want to convey today. There's people that are paying attention to your life. That's right. They are watching there was a time when you walked out on the factory floor and you're not the person that you are today. Right. You walked into the job and you did not have the aura or the demeanor of the apostolic truth that you have on you today. And there are people with their ears wide open. Maybe you don't realize it. Maybe you don't see it. But they are wide open to what you have to say. Right. In every action that you take. Just... This past week, I was getting ready to leave work and I was filling out paperwork. And my boss sits across the room from me at another desk. And I can't remember what started this conversation. But you know, sometimes you can get in this deal where it's like you're trying to get out the door right now. You know, you're, you're, you're about done with work today. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you get so focused on that that you kind of, you don't realize what you're missing, you know. And he started asking me some deep questions. And before I knew it, I should have left 45 minutes ago. But we got in such deep conversation on things of God, we were kind of lost in it. And he's quite a thinker. You know, he, he really thinks on this stuff, but he's not sure what he believes. And then I found out that he used to go to an apostolic church. And he knows what I believe. He knows who I am. And this whole time, I've not even understood how open his ears are and his eyes are to everything that I'm doing and saying. You know what he's seeing? Right. What he's seeing is that he's sitting in a darkness and here's somebody who's walking in the light. And he desires the light. Amen. And I've got to realize my position. Uh, you know, let me step back and read it to you. That I am chosen. That I am royal. That I'm holy. And that I'm different. 
And my job in all of this is to show forth his praises. Yes. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. That's what my job is. Amen. And so I can't carry myself. Not that I should be arrogant, but I shouldn't carry myself with my head low. You know, just kind of walking. You know, I, well, I'm, I'm an apostolic. You know, I'm a Christian and all this. No, you're royal. That's right. You're peculiar. You're different. And the eyes and the ears are open in this world. What I have to be observed in doing is showing forth the praises of Him who's called me out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Amen. You're living in the light today. You have found yourself in the light. It's shining even in this room right now. we got to realize our place, folks. Amen. i got to realize what He's called me for. What I'm here to do. Do you feel the spirit in this room right now? Amen. This is God approving of what's being preached right now. <laughs> That's exactly what it is when the spirit touches down like that. Amen. Let's stand right now. I don't like to not take advantage of the spirit when it moves. Amen. I don't like to, to uh, uh, find myself drifted far away from the current of the spirit when it's moving. And I think we're in it right now. Can I have an amen? amen. We're in it right now. You've got a testimony. You've got a testimony that God has put on your life. And I know, I know for a fact that I'm in a room of folks who you've, you've dealt with struggle this week. That's the nature of living in this world. And there's, there's souls that are out there all over the place. And the intention, the intention of Satan is to bog down the church. To place this thought in your mind that they don't want to hear what I've got to say. They don't want to hear my testimony. That's going to, that's going to make the, 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 the conversation awkward from here on out. And for some people that may be the case. But we're not called to be timid. We're not called to be overly cautious with the gospel. When I read in this book. And I read over it and I find men and women who went out of their way to share it only to find themselves in a jail cell because they shared their testimony. I don't know how you feel about it, but it convicts me. It convicts me. I got to be willing to share this light. If the light, if the light is what I'm living and I'm living a good life, all these people out here are missing out on it. And maybe you're in a spot today, you, 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 you're blessed is what you are. You can come into this place, you can feel the Holy Ghost. You can be with like-minded people, so great a cloud of witnesses in this room that it's kind of hard to remember what it's like to live in darkness. But there's people out there that their whole life is darkness. It's darkness. There's adults that are out there on chemical dependency. There's adults out there that their life is just, you know, sin abounds. And they don't know how to get out of it. And if it's children, they go home. They go home to a home 
where sin abounds and they don't know anything else, that's all they're going to know. Living in darkness. I can't afford not to let my light shine in the earth. And it calls it a marvelous light. Amen. And I've been brought out of that same darkness and entrusted to carry this light and show forth his praises. You're entrusted with a lot today. It's a big deal. I don't want to skip over the word and sprinkle it today without really feeling the weight of it. But what God has called us in this room to be, He may call you to minister. He may call you, I don't know, be a missionary or something one day, but I know this beyond any of that, what He has called you to do, He's called you to be a prayer warrior. God's called you to be a worshiper. Amen. He's called you to show forth his praises. And because of that, God says, Brother Thomas, you're royal. Yes. Brother Thomas, you're chosen. Amen. And everybody else in this room is royal and chosen by God to show forth his praises. To represent the name Jesus. You know, one thing I like about Brother Thomas is he loves preaching Jesus. Yes. 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 Amen. Don't you, Brother Thomas? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amen. You hear, he'll preach a lot, but at some point in it, he's going to say the name of Jesus. Amen. And you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with that because at the end of the day, that's what we're representing, Brother Mark. Amen. That's what Amen. we're carrying is Jesus. Amen. Showing forth his praises. Amen. Amen. That's what we're called to here today. Don't be scared to share your testimony. Don't be scared to share your testimony. I've got to pick a little bit here today, but my mother, one thing about her is she's not afraid to share a testimony with anybody in the middle of Walmart grocery store. Okay? And I go in there on a mission to get my toothbrush and get out. You know? And I'm so focused on all of this and she can be back there, you know, five aisles down and somebody will be in tears because she shared what God's done in her life. Oh, the people that can be touched with this light. You know, but we got to be willing to share it and show forth his praises. Amen. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room this Amen. morning. I feel like God's talking to us. Amen. There's some chosen people in this house. There's some royal folks in this house. Some people God calls holy. He says, they're my holy chosen royal ones. Amen. Amen. If any of that's speaking to you today, you feel a call in the Holy Ghost that I, I need to talk to some folks, you know. There, there's some people that I'm around every day. You ought to tell God right now, Lord, I want to be.